Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. CCM is one church that meets every Sunday in various locations across Manchester. For more information about who we are or about our Sunday meetings, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. Does anyone agree with me? Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. You're not allowed to do loads of stuff that you have to do what you're told to do, even if it's totally boring. You've got a limited amount of money to spend, and even when all your friends are doing something, sometimes you can't do it because you've got to do something really dull instead. Anyone agree? Yeah. Friendships can be really tricky, can't they? Um, they can get really complicated. And, and people are just mean sometimes for no reason at all. Um, and why is it that the person that you fancy always seems to fancy your best mate? That, that is like the story of my teens and my twenties, basically. Um, the teenage years can be, and not always, um, a really confusing time of life. And ever since I was 13 or 14, I scribbled in notebooks and journals um, to try and get down on paper how I'm feeling. Does anyone else keep journals or diaries? Uh, all one or two people? Yeah, it's a good idea. Um, well, I thought, well, basically, as I've got older, I've still carried on journaling um, to try and speak God's word into my heart. Um, because often my heart is pretty messy and I and I, I write down what I'm feeling and then I'm, I kind of speak God's truth over it to try and work out what's going on. But I thought it might be fun just to read a few extracts from my 1994 diary when I was 14 years old. So are you ready for this? Okay. This is... You need to know that I've got quite a good relationship with my dad, but here goes. Saturday the 15th of January 1994. I hate dad. He thinks he knows everything. He thinks he understands teenagers. He thinks he could be one of us. Well, he's 43. And and he's had his time. Why can't he let us have ours? You'll be pleased to know the next, the very next day, Sunday the 16th, I'm in a much better mood today. In fact, I love Dad greatly. So, let's, let's move to Valentine's Day, February the 14th. Valentine's Day, no cards or anything. I got no cards whatsoever, and Andrea got three. Life is so cruel. Today we were going to have a game of Advanced Hero Quest. Do you remember that game? (laughs) Advanced Hero Quest, as it's Valentine's Day. I phoned up Emma, trying to act as if nothing had happened, but she was in the bathroom, and I got a message that she'd phone me back. I waited for ages, and finally Beth, who doesn't live with Emma, rang me back, um, asking me what I wanted, as Emma wasn't speaking to me. I said it didn't matter, as we were going to play Hero Quest, and if she wasn't speaking to me, then it would be no fun. 
About 10 minutes later, I got another phone call saying that Emma had changed her mind. More likely, she just wanted to play the game. I said, no, I wasn't going to go out. We have to do everything, Emma says. And if you don't, she goes into a big mood. Emma expects me to jump, if she says jump, to come round just because she's changed her mind. Well, I'm fed up of a moody poo. Next day, next day, would you believe it? I slept at Emma's house in summer. <laughs> After all I said, I'm writing this in the morning when everyone else is asleep. Can you believe? I mean, this is comedy gold in here. Absolute comedy gold. The crazy thing is, is that life doesn't get much less complicated as an adult. We still have to do boring stuff, we still have a limited amount of money to spend, and friendships as adults um, can be just as complicated as when we were teenagers. And particularly when I'm struggling or going through a hard time, I still find myself writing a journal. For me, there is something about pausing reflecting and writing stuff down which just helps me begin to process and understand my emotions and what is going on in my heart and under my bed there's this massive box full of journals where over the years through the ups and downs of life I have um, grappled before God these prayer like notes where I bring the truth that I know about God to the circumstance that I'm facing. And today we're starting a brand new series um, as we move into the summer, which we're calling a Summer of Psalms. Each week we're going to dig into a different psalm. And a little bit like the scribbled notes under my bed, um, these psalms are written down by God followers who are grappling to make sense of the truth about God and what is going on in their hearts. And as well as praise and worship, the Psalms are full of honest, raw struggle. They're full of disappointments and discouragement, questions and confusion. And yet for the writers, in bringing how they feel um, honestly before God, instead of walking away from God in despair, they, they come towards God. And in seeing God closer, God reveals his greatness, his faithfulness, his trustworthiness and his glory. And my hope is that over the next few months as we bring to God our joys and our longings, as, as well as the pain and brokenness of our lives, God will show his beautiful face to us in many ways. God's size depends on our distance to him. The closer we are to him, the greater he will be in our life. Wow, it's amazing, isn't it? And the Psalms show us that we can be completely honest and real before God. In fact, there's no point in being anything else. God wants us to draw near to him. He wants us to bring our messy, questioning hearts to him, whether we're 14 or 43 and our life is nearly over. <laughs> I was chatting to a couple of people last week from church and we were saying how we long to give God more space to do the work he needs to do in our hearts. But often we're either scared of getting too vulnerable with each other or we're scared of getting too vulnerable with God even, even though we know that actually he knows everything about us. 
Sometimes we want to keep God at a bit of a distance in case he convicts us in a way that we don't want him to. Or, or sometimes we're longing for God to do stuff in our hearts, but it, it feels like time or circumstances just don't seem to allow for it. At the beginning of this series, I want to encourage you to get real before God. Tears and snot are totally welcome here. All the kids are ticking off snot off there. Which bingo. But not just here on a Sunday. Let's pursue God this summer. Let's say, you know, the routines change over the summer, don't they? Let's let's pursue him with all our hearts this summer. Let's have hard and honest conversations with each other about where we're at. Let's take this opportunity to lean hard into God and what he might be saying to us through the Psalms. Next week, we're not going to have a preach because we wanted to give more time to God for prayer and for God to minister to each one of us. Hearing God's word, his truth is so important and we're not chucking that out, but what we do want to do is together create some more space for the Holy Spirit to be, among, to be at work amongst us as we pray. We will grow in faith if we step closer to Jesus. Let's read Psalm 23 together. It's going to go up on the screen. In fact, let's all read it out loud together. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right paths. For his name's sake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is possibly one of the most well-known psalms there is. It's often read in moments of despair or grief to encourage us. It was written by David, um, a man who deeply loved God and yet failed God in spectacular ways. He was a man who used his power to take what did not belong to him and then cover it up by murder. In one of the Psalms, David cries out to God in repentance for his sin, and God shows his incredible grace and mercy by calling him a man after his own heart. And he's not so different from us. Loving God and getting it wrong, loving God and getting it wrong, loving God and getting it wrong. Psalm 23 gives us great encouragement. It encourages us because it reminds us of three things. One, that God is enough. Two, that God is always with us. And three, it points us to the eternal hope that we have because of Jesus. And over the next few minutes, we're going to look at these three things briefly. So, God is enough. I have to confess that for years and years, I, I struggled with discontentment. And my psalm, if I was writing it, would have said... The Lord is my shepherd, but he's not quite enough. And the different circumstances I found myself in have always always just kept leading me to wanting more. 
As a kid, my family was pretty poor, and we were really grateful for a church family that would leave sacks of potatoes and, and big bags of carrots outside our house. And I remember getting shouted at so badly by my dad um, because I rolled my eyes and said, not Marmite sandwiches for lunch again. Oh, we absolutely went mad. Um, I was always the one who had to stay behind on school trips because we couldn't afford to go. And I just wonder whether that sense of missing out crept into my heart and grew to become bitter. Um, and so when all my friends got boyfriends and I didn't, I thought there was something wrong with me. And the lie slipped into my heart that what I have is who I am. As if, as if somehow people who have are better than, than people who don't have. And we absolutely know that that is not true, is it? All people are equal. Um, but over the years, God has had to unpick that lie that was in my heart. Because the problem we have is that we're always looking in the wrong places to feel good about ourselves and for our hearts to be satisfied. God has given us many wonderful things to enjoy, but as soon as we look to anything or anyone to ultimately fulfill us and make us feel happy, that thing is going to become a trap in our lives. And instead of giving us life, it just leaves us feeling unsatisfied and wanting more. But here in the first verse of Psalm 23, we're told that only in God can we be satisfied. It's the design God gave us. We were, we were created by God for God. So we can enjoy the good things that God has created, but they're never going to fulfill our God-given purpose to, to live life showing the world how good he is. Things, money, jobs, career, relationships, the thing that you love doing more than anything is never going to give you your worth. And, and it will never give us peace or satisfaction. Without God in charge of our lives, we're like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep are completely dependent on the shepherd for their provision, their guidance and their protection. The job of the shepherd is to keep the sheep safe. And David knew all about this because he was a shepherd himself and, and he, he knew that sheep, just like us, have a tendency to go astray, to wander away from safety. And sometimes the shepherd would need to use his rod or sack to gently pull the sheep back in and protect them from the dangers around them. Jesus is our shepherd. He wants the very best for us. We are safest and most fulfilled when we are following him. We have a shepherd who laid down his life for us. That is how much our shepherd loves us. We don't need to look elsewhere for our fulfillment. And when we do, we are selling ourselves short. Jesus is our enough. We're encouraging people, each other, to pursue Jesus this summer because it's in Jesus where we really find life to the full. You know, if we were to strip back our lives to nothing, but we still had Jesus, we would have everything. But do we live like we believe this? 
Are there things in our life that we're looking to more than Jesus to satisfy us? I know that there's loads of things in my life where I do that. But let's take the opportunity today before God to ask him to rebalance our desires. In verse 2 it says, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. It doesn't give any exceptions. It doesn't say he refreshes our souls unless you're a mum with small children, in which case you don't stand a chance. It doesn't say he refreshes our soul souls unless you can't afford a holiday this year. Or unless you face trauma in your past. It doesn't say he refreshes my soul unless you've got a really busy month ahead of you and you've got a very demanding boss. It doesn't say that. Not a single circumstance that we are collectively facing excludes us from the refreshing we can have in Jesus. Jesus said, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. In whatever circumstance we are in, we get to choose if we draw near to God or not. It's on us. Just a few weeks ago, I began to feel myself drowning a little. And I knew deep down it was because I wasn't prioritising my time with God. When I stopped seeking out moments to listen to God and talk to him, I begin to drown, just like the whale that needs to come up for air. We need to keep taking in deep breaths of God. Walking along an empty beach, enjoying the wide open spaces can leave, leave us feeling refreshed, but we can turn to God anywhere and anytime to be refilled and refueled just by taking a moment with God to pray and asking him for help. There's a lady called Susanna Wesley who is one of the great heroes of the faith. And, and not just because she birthed 19 children in 21 years and then homeschooled them. Um, it says of her that she depended on Christ with a contagious ferocity. What a great phrase. She depended on Christ with a contagious ferocity. I'd love that to be said of me and written on my grave. And it's, it says that because of the gospel's impact on her own life, she knew better than to try and disciple her large brood with her own strength. When she needed time alone, the, the story goes that she would put her apron over her head um, and her children would know that she was not to be disturbed because she was praying. Um, she said that prayer was her primary work and that she needed to get with the Lord at all costs. Like, do we say that? Do we believe that? We need that, that prayer is so important, that our time with God is so important that we, we will um, we'll make that our number one priority. What a challenge. She'd learn how to be refreshed by the Lord without going on holiday, without having a break from everyday life, without having loads of money and a big house. You know, and there's nothing wrong with those things, but it's not those things that is going to restore our soul. Susanna put her trust in Jesus and not her circumstances. Secondly, God is always, always with us. Some of you here will be leaving home in the next few years, and it's mad, isn't it, how when you turn 
18, all of a sudden you get to choose what you'll do with your life, like whether you'll get a job or whether you'll go to uni, whether you'll stay at home or move out. And then one of my favourite things when I left home was being able to go to the supermarket by myself and choose what I was going to eat. And um, you know, you can, you can eat whatever you like. You can, you can eat a whole tub of ice cream and your mum's not going to say, what are you doing? It's, it's incredible. And, and weirdly, even though I always hated cooked carrots at home, I kept buying and cooking them. And, and, and like the point was that for the first time in my life, I got to choose. And it felt really good. And making all those decisions about where we'll live or where we'll go can be pretty overwhelming. But verse 4 can really encourage us. It says, he guides me along the right paths for his namesake. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff, they comfort me. When we follow Jesus and we're seeking to live a life that gives glory to God, we can be completely confident that God will guide us and lead us. When making decisions, we can ask ourselves, um, is this, will this decision take me towards God or will it lead me away from God? Or we can say, is this decision about making me look great or is it about making God look great? And my plan had been to come to Manchester University, um, but the day I got my A-level results, I quickly realised I needed to come up with a plan B. Um, my exam results were pretty rubbish, and I spent the, the afternoon of results day crying and ringing up um, the various places in the country um, to see if they would accept me. And I ended up in the University of Bognorinus <laughs> with a ton of mature students and a whole load of other people who had not revised enough. Going to uni was not my plan A, but it was God's. He knew all along. He did not gasp in horror when he saw that I got a, a D in English Lit. Um, my, my five years of living down on the south coast of England, though, was one of the most significant times of my life. And I still regularly dream that I'm looking for a house in Bognor. Um, that time in Bognor um, shaped my love for Jesus, for the church, for the lost, for the poor. Um, and and it, it's had a massive influence on my life. And as I was reading through my diaries, you know, having dug out the box under the bed, um, I, I read so many prophetic words that were given to me in that five years of my life that are true today. And there was one word given to me 24 years ago that Vix's brother um, repeated to me virtually word for word last, just last year. Like, isn't it, that incredible? Like, I had forgotten all about it, but God hadn't. God's word remains the same. His promises are the same. The purpose he places on our lives are still the same. If you are willing to follow... Jesus will guide you along the right paths for his namesake. And if we're following Jesus, we can't actually get it wrong. And nothing, not even death, can stop God from carrying out his purposes. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. God never leaves us. 
Hasn't the story of Joseph that we've been looking at reminded us that in our darkest moments, God is weaving the most beautiful picture in our lives? And that ultimate dark valley being the cross on which Jesus died, the darkest day that history has ever faced was the day that Jesus, the rescuer, gave up his life for me and you, taking our sin and shame upon us so that we could have an eternal hope in Jesus. Whatever darkness we face in this world, because of the incredible sacrifice and mercy of Jesus towards us, we are facing an eternity where there will be no more sadness. There will be no more chronic pain. There will be no more struggle. There will be no more shame. Our fight with addictions and sin will be over. And our trauma responses will be no more. In the blink of an eye, the pain we face in this world will be gone, will be free. And it's not just a future hope, but a present reality. God is with you today. Whatever you are facing, the one who died on the cross for you says, do not fear, for I am with you. God is able to use our darkest days to build character in us and make us more like Jesus. I don't think that I've ever had an actual enemy. Um, the closest person to an enemy that I've ever had was a housemate who got really, really annoyed with me for refusing to pay a bill that was not mine to pay. Um, she was so angry that she actually poured an entire pint of water over my head in a nightclub. It's pretty embarrassing. And maybe you don't have actual people who are enemies. Maybe the enemies you face are flashbacks from your past or thoughts that come from nowhere and tell you lies about who you are. Maybe your enemy is chronic pain that no painkillers will fully take away. Maybe it's poverty, maybe it's a bully or, or a relationship which constantly drags you down. Maybe it's fear of the future. This psalm tells us that God is for us. Our enemies cannot define us. Verse 5 says, You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely your goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. The commentary I looked at told me that in ancient Egypt, in ancient Eastern tradition, and maybe Egyptian tradition too, um, the host of a banquet would not only kind of anoint his guests with oil as they arrived, but they would protect their guests at all costs. God offers the protection of a host um, even when enemies surround us. We might have even created those enemies, uh, but God loves us, not based on what we deserve, but um, but, or, or anything that we've done to deserve it um, because we haven't. He loves us and wants to protect us based entirely on his incredible love for us. 
Some of us here, I know, feel shame and guilt over decisions that we've made or stuff that's happened to us. Please hear this today. You are loved. You are forgiven. The safest place you can run to when feelings overwhelm you is Jesus. He loves you. He paid an incredible price for our freedom. Ask God to lead you into that freedom. God doesn't make us robots. He doesn't force us to choose him. He invites us to, but he never forces. I've got some notebooks um, that I've bought for us all, and uh, hopefully there's enough for everyone here, although looking around, I'm not sure that there is. Um, Make space for God to seek God and allow him to speak into your life. Maybe you want to start by writing out the Psalm 23 that we've been looking at today in your own words. Please get real with God. 